Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 21 of the Queen City Control Room podcast. Today is March 24th. It is Friday night. It is a pretty important time in the basketball calendar. We're about two weeks out from the close of the regular season in the NBA. We're in the thick of it in the NCAA bracket. Lots of games going on tonight, tomorrow, Sunday. Lots of games played already. I mean, I know this is an NBA podcast, but we can we can touch on the tournament a little bit. What have you been looking at? What have you been seeing? I think we have to touch on the, the tournament a little bit. If we need to tie it to the NBA, we can say we are quote-unquote evaluating draft prospects playing in the tournament, etc. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we'd be negligent in our duties if we did not touch on the brackets and in the tournament and, and what's been going on. So let's get to that. Obviously, we are, you said it's Friday, March 24th. We're in the thick of the Sweet 16 in the middle of two games right now, two games to follow. I think we're both watching the Alabama-San Diego State game right now. Um, There have been, I I don't even know where to begin in terms of of the biggest storyline. I think it's safe to say, personally, my, my own bracket is busted. I do have Texas winning the championship, so barring anything crazy happening this weekend. Hopefully they'll still be in it going to the final four, um, playing a tough Xavier team tonight. And then I guess whoever wins, you know, the other later game tonight. So let's see what happens there. But in terms of the storylines of the tournament, I mean, like I said, I don't even know where to begin. You have fairly Dickinson upsetting Purdue, almost knocking off, Florida Atlantic in the, in the round of 32 to get to the sweet 16. Um, just a, a crazy storyline, not shocked that the one seed that got knocked off was Purdue. I mean, if anyone was susceptible to it, it was probably, probably them. You have a number 15 seed Princeton knocking off a number two seed Arizona in the round of 64. I had Arizona playing in the final four. So that's part of the reason my bracket got busted early. Obviously, you have the Florida Atlantic Owls, a nine seed, playing in the Elite Eight tomorrow night. Not as big of a storyline because they are a nine seed, but nonetheless, a mid-major is going to the Elite Eight, and that's something to celebrate regardless of the fact of what seed it is. And Kansas State, I think, is a is another team we probably have to talk about if we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament and Marquise Noel, right? Um, obviously, Kansas State, a very good year this year number three seed coming into the tournament first year coach Jerome Tang uh, Kansas state has been going viral for, you know, bumping their jams in the locker room before their game. So that's pretty awesome. Marquise Noel broke the NCAA record for single game assists last night against Michigan state with 19, including just a crazy play where it looked like he and Jerome Tang were kind of going back and forth at about the logo on what play to call close to the end of the second half when things were getting really heated. And then out of nowhere, he just flips the ball up to Keontae Johnson for the slam on the alley-oop. And it looked like maybe they were mixed up on the call and he kind of saw Johnson cutting, but then there's some, some people are saying that it was a designed play and and Jerome Tang is just trying to cover that up. Maybe the world will never be. But then one more player on, on Kansas state to talk about, I know I'm going off a little bit, but, uh, Keontae Johnson was on Florida, Florida's roster two seasons ago, um, collapsed after one game 
at about midcourt when playing for Florida was diagnosed with, I think, acute myocarditis, was in a coma for a little bit, obviously battled his way back, entered the transfer portal, ended up at Kansas State and is now flourishing under Jerome Tang's leadership this year. So all around a, a really um, a team to celebrate, I think. That was a good whip around to the tournament. All the headlines in 60 seconds. If you haven't watched <laughs> one college basketball game, you don't need to. I had some thoughts going through my head, but then I just saw the San Diego State player get his finger stuck under the Alabama player's eyelid. Uh, so um, that little that rattles your brain a little bit. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. If we're if we're looking ahead from here on out, though, I'm a I'm a Yukon Huskies rider this year, as everybody knows. I picked them as my team at some point in the last couple of weeks, and now I've just been turned into a diehard. Might get Gina Oriema tatted on my chest or something. <laughs> so if we're looking at the championship, I think I'm going to go with UConn. And then on the other side, I would probably go with Alabama, just on how good they've looked so far, even mm-hmm. though I would want to put K-State in there. That would be a crazy game, but it's just hard to pick against Alabama right now. It's kind of their their tournament to lose. Who would you pick in the finals if you were looking ahead? So I think I said a little little bit earlier, um, I have Texas winning the championship, still riding the Longhorn train at this point. I am a, how would you say, a, a remote Austinite per se. My company's based down in Austin. I've been down probably five to 10 times over the last year. Um, so getting a little bit familiar with the area, the college and everything and um obviously going through some adversity on their team as well. Not the same type of adversity that uh, your boys in in Alabama went through. Um, Mm -hmm. But Texas obviously loses its head coach pretty early on to some bad allegations of domestic abuse. So the assistant coach, Rodney Terry steps in and right from the get-go, there was some basically rumblings that, Texas is never really going to consider Rodney Terry short of a national championship. They're not going to consider Rodney Terry as a, as a permanent head coach. He's, he's still just the interim head coach. Um, And I think, you know, they, they really just kind of want to get like a big name, especially earlier on when there were some rumors that maybe Calipari was going to leave Kentucky, you know, they want to get someone of that caliber to, to come coach at Texas next season. And so I think, kind of going through that as a team, you're not, um, you kind of lose maybe a little bit of the step that you had, especially because it was so early in the season when you're still trying to figure things out. But Rodney Terry's really led the team, you know, to a pretty successful season. They won the big 12 tournament, beat uh, Kansas back-to-back weeks and were a two seed coming in and are now playing in the the sweet 16 tonight um, against Xavier. So I, if I had to choose uh, a final four, I guess I'm saying probably Alabama, probably Kansas state, probably Texas, probably Yukon going to ride with Texas to the championship. Um, just for the vibes, I'm going to take Kansas state over Alabama, partially because of, of everything we talked about with Kansas state before, but also for those that don't know the nitty gritty, Nate Oates is the coach of Alabama used to coach at UB um, was the coach when uh, UB upset Arizona, which had DeAndre Ayton at the time. So um, he left, I think, on some pretty bad terms from UB to go down to coach at Alabama. And I think uh, 
just for that reason, I can't ride with Bama to the championship. So let's take K-State in Texas and Texas to win the national title. Rodney Terry should be coach of the year, even though he's not a finalist. Yeah. I remember when Nate Oates left and he was making like 200000 at UB for a salary and then gets offered $5 million from Alabama and everyone's like, why is he leaving? I know, I know, I know. He's like, um, I can give you a pretty good reason. No, I, 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 um, am, I am a full-fledged supporter of like, you know, people, especially in the NIL era now, people are going to go where they're going to go and you just kind of have to appreciate things while you have them and, and ad- adapt mm-hmm. and adjust to changes. Um, I say that because my own personal teams up until recently were not affected the personal pain for me, Micah Shrewsbury, the coach of Penn State, led Penn State to the round of 32 this year, lost to Texas. He left to go coach at Notre Dame. So it hurts. It sucks when it happens, but you kind of have to just live and adjust and, and do what you got to do. So this is a long-winded way of circling back to, to Nate Oates and saying, I think he left on bad terms, though I do understand why he left if he was getting like a, you know, 5,000% raise and a lot more resources, a lot better team playing in a lot better conference, but I digress. Yeah. Closing words on the college situation for me. I worked myself into a pretty good corner right in the Yukon Huskies so far. And then on the women's side, Ohio State playing against the Yukon Huskies women's team. So I have to root for the Huskies and against the Huskies simultaneously Saturday. But whoever comes out of that game from the women's side, I guess I will continue to root for them as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I took uh, Iowa on the women's side to the national title, riding the Caitlin Clark train all the way to the to trophy. respect that. I'd say but... let's move over, talk some NBA. It's, it's really heating up. So for most teams, there are somewhere between, I'd say, eight to ten games left. Um, I think the Bucs have 10 games left. Uh, some teams have nine, some teams have eight. Maybe some teams are down to seven. I'm not totally sure on that. Um, actually, I think the Cavs are down to seven, so that's interesting. But, yeah, it, it's really heating up, and this is probably the best part of the NBA regular season. Not every season, because not every season it's so – close or or clogged up in terms of where teams are and and the angling that they have to do in these last couple games um and i don't think there's a better place to start on this particular point than the western conference right now so i tweeted this out from our account earlier today but this is current as of prior to the games that occurred on friday march 24th so don't murder us if the standings change by the time the episode is released because it's very, very likely that they will. That said, um, right now, the number four seed Phoenix Suns are playing the number three seed Sacramento Kings. So big game there, but there's still a five five game difference in the standings. So ultimately it's not going to change that much. Um, But from the four seed down to the, let's see, uh, 11, 12. From the four seed down to the 12 seed, there is a three-game difference, which understand the fact that with seven to ten games left, a three-game difference is still 
a pretty big deal to overcome, right? But it would not be totally unheard of for someone in the four seed or maybe a better example is uh, the five seed are the LA Clippers right now, right? Still playing with um, Kawhi and, and actually playing pretty well lately, six and four in their last 10, but it would not be totally out of the realm of possibility for the Clippers who are actually tied with the Suns in the standings right now, but the Suns have the tiebreaker would not be unheard of for the Clippers to go on a pretty bad losing streak now, especially now that uh, Paul George is going to be out for some, for an extended period of time. And I don't think it's likely, but it's not impossible that the the Clippers could even potentially miss the playoffs at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be tough for them. They have to set Kawhi at some point so that he doesn't play too much leading into the playoffs and no PG, but the rest of the team has been stepping up over the last couple of games at least. Mm-hmm. See what they have left. While you're, look- while you're looking that up, I'm just going to say the here we are. Here's where we are in the standings right now. You have uh, the Suns at number four, the Clippers at number five, Warriors at number six, the Timberwolves at number seven, the Mavericks at number eight, the Lakers number nine, the Pelicans number 10, Oklahoma City number 11, and Utah number 12. Now for seven to 12, there is a one game difference. For seven to 11, there's a half game difference. So literally one game could get you from being not even in the play-in tournament right now, Oklahoma City Thunder, to being, let me put it this way, could get you from not being in the play-in tournament because you're at the bottom of the Western Conference to not being in the play-in tournament because you jump up to the number six seed. One game could make the difference right now, and that's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. The Clippers have the Pelicans twice, the Grizzlies twice, the Bulls, the Lakers, the Trailblazers, and the Suns. So realistically, they'll probably lose at least three and up to five, probably. You'd think they'd beat the Pelicans twice and hopefully the Bulls, but the rest of the games will be hard for them. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's also a lot of games that are against this contingent of teams that are in the, you know, four to 12 range in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll talk about the Eastern conference probably in a little bit here, but this, the Western conference, I think, I think Denver ends up as the one seed. That's it is what it is. I think Memphis ends up at the two seed at that point, especially now they have job back and everything. Um, Sacramento probably ends up as the three seed because there's such a big difference between the three and the four, but then from four to 12, I mean, if we were going to hypothesize and try to be a little bit realistic here, or if we were going to, you know, quote unquote, speculate, the Suns are supposed to get Kevin Durant back uh, Wednesday, March 29th, I guess, right. Is what they're looking at right now. It just came out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the Suns are going to have roughly seven games left at that point is what the, you know, what NBA Twitter was saying. So I think once you get Kevin Durant back, um, that obviously adds a little bit of a boost to to how well your team's going to be playing. And I think it's more than likely that the, uh, the, the Suns are going to end up as the number four seed in the West at this point. So let's, I think if you're good with making that assumption for the purposes of this discussion, let's just start with the five seed. I mean, from the five seed down, it could, I could see anything happening. 
for for the vibes, I really want to see Oklahoma City make the play in at least. Would love to see them make the playoffs as well, but I at least want to see them make the play in. And I think that's considered a, a win in terms of comparing where they are now to where their expectations were coming into the season. Yeah, they had that back-to-back against the Clippers and won the first one, and they moved up to seventh, and then they lost the second one, and they moved all the way down to 11th or whatever. Right. They've been playing pretty good, though. They, Seven and three in their last ten. Yeah, they're they're hot right now, and they're beating a lot of good teams. Josh Giddy and SGA, and Jalen Williams got is moving up the rookie of the year table not that he's gonna get to the top but still cool for him to be up there I also saw I think I made a comment maybe a month or two ago talking about this same issue if Oklahoma City could make a run at the play-in and I had asked you if you knew if Chet was going to be out the rest of the year like full stop throughout playoffs and everything or if there's a chance maybe they reevaluate towards the end of the season And it was unclear, but I think we had kind of come to the consensus that, you know, Chet's going to be out the rest of the year and it is what it is. But if you are into trying to decipher what players cryptically post on social media, Chet Holmgren just posted on on Instagram a picture of him sitting courtside dribbling a basketball underneath his legs, I think it was. And the caption was just free seven. (laughs) So... Feels like, you know, we're getting some videos here and there of Chet putting up shots and, you know, before and after games and stuff. Feels like Chet is trying to say, like, let me get back out there and, and join the team. I doubt they bring him back out because they're not going to risk the the future of their franchise just for, you know, seven to ten games here and maybe a run at the play-in or something like that. But, mm-hmm. man, the future is bright in OKC right now. Yeah. It'd be cool for him to come back, but I think it's just too risky with the injury and I don't know how re-injurable it is, but it seems like it could be. There's no any point, really. Yeah, especially because when you bring him back after such a long, like basically a hiatus, you're not going to play him 35 minutes a game or anything. You're going to start out playing, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a game maybe build up to 20 to 25 for a stretch. And at that point, the season's going to be over. So probably not worth it, though. It would be pretty cool to see. And then we could probably spend a whole entire episode talking about the the Thunder's draft capital at this point and, and what they mm-hmm. might do with that. So maybe approaching the draft, we'll have to have that conversation and what they try to do. Because um, if I'm a one or a two or a three in the draft, I am doing whatever I can to try to laugh Victor try to land Victor Wimbanyama right but um I don't know if I would consider like a trade of of this many first round picks or whatever to to give him up because everyone obviously is saying like he's the the coming of the the next you know mega star right but if anyone can make an offer to get up to the number one pick it is Oklahoma City yeah, that's for sure. I don't know where their picks will land this year, but they'll probably end up with two or three first rounders in the first 15 or 20 picks. And you'd think that, yeah. well, maybe not all the way up to one, but you'd think that two through five or three through five would want the additional capital for only moving down so many spots. There, I, I, I think there's going to be some movement this year before the draft. 
last year, last year, there really wasn't a whole lot of movement in terms of, you know, one through seven, I guess, maybe one through eight, but it'll be interesting to see what happens, but that'll have to come at a later episode. Um, Golden State certainly not out of, out of the thicket here. Minnesota has got Carl Anthony Towns back. You think you'd have to think that that's going to give them a little bit of a boost, um, you know, going forward into the season. Dallas is, I don't know. Dallas is slumping right now. Um, playing Charlotte tonight, that probably gives them a little bit of a boost, especially since Charlotte is, is, has bit the injury bug, so to speak. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that people are pretty high on Dallas right now. Yeah. I guess maybe we look into them a little further or talk about them a little deeper, but first the Timberwolves getting cat back. The Timberwolves have been playing good and since they traded D'Lo and made all the moves, they have been kind of heating up, even though they're only five and five in their last 10. But have you seen all those videos circulating social media about Cat changing his voice around? No, no. <laughs> they're not the most basketball related, but they he's like always streaming or whatever, playing PC or PlayStation or whatever he has. And he's just like talking in his normal voice and it's like super, super high pitched. And then he's doing the post-game interviews with like the <laughs> sidelines reporters. And he's like, oh yeah, I thought I had a pretty good game tonight. Like all of a oh, sudden now that he's on TV, he's talking so low. <laughs> Love it. Um, he, he's a goofball. He's a goofball. He is. If they make the playoffs, I will say hopefully Cat comes out and gives a little bit of a better effort than he did last year. I know it's still going to be considered coming back from an injury at that point, but I remember last year in the playoffs, I don't remember who their opponent was in that first round series, but they played the Grizzlies in the first round, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the Timberwolves came out of the play-in tournament because that was where you know, Pat Beverly jumped up onto the table and ripped his jersey off and all that stuff, celebrating the play-in wins. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think, like, Cat put up maybe, like, four field goal attempts in the last last game or something like that. And it just kind of looked like the, the Timberwolves were kind of defeated, you know, within mm-hmm. themselves. So hopefully the, they can come out and make a little bit of a better run because aside from, like, the top three teams, top four teams maybe, like, being probably the clear – not not favorites at the title, but the clear like dominant forces. I really feel like the Western Conference is kind of open ended at this point, especially mm-hmm. as everyone kind of really, you know, gears up and and gets ready for this playoff run. So it's going to be very very interesting. I think the seven game series that we seven game series that we get in the Western Conference are going to be just amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. Um, if we stopped it right now and just ran it back with the series the grizzlies would play the timberwolves again that would be some drama (laughs) love it that'd be interesting for sure did you see all the stuff around going around about ja and skip bayless going back and forth kind of i saw that uh (laughs) no i didn't i don't know if this is what you're talking about but i saw skip bayless on his show say it's a parade inside my city yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah you are so stupid that was so funny. Josh just going around saying those lyrics after the games and stuff. And then Skip is like, it is a parade inside my city. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then the next Sorry, Grizzlies games, whenever they were making big shots, they would play Skip's clip of him saying that over the loudspeakers. Good times. Good times, that's for sure. The drama never uh, ends. One other team we should talk about in the West before we jump over to the East, the Lakers, obviously. Um, news broke earlier today that with LeBron's injury, they're expecting him to come back maybe for the last three to four games of the season. Assuming they make the play-in tournament, I'm sure they get him back at least for that. Um, but I guess it all depends on probably where they are in the standings with those three to four games left, if it's worth bringing him back or not. But um, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I think the Lakers have been playing not bad. They're six and four in their last 10. They're on a two game win streak right now. Um, They certainly haven't been playing bad. They're certainly not giving up right now. They're one of those teams that's tied for the eight seed, I guess, right now, even though they technically are the the nine with tiebreakers. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to speculate on, on, if LeBron's going to come back and his impact on the team and and what that might bring to them. But I feel like we're just deja vu at this point. I don't re- remember the, the exact goings on of last season when he was injured toward the end of the season. And there was some speculation about whether he was going to come back and, and try to help the Lakers make a run at the play in tournament. And then he just never came back and was like, I'm, it's not worth it. I'm not going to, not going to risk re-injuring myself. We'll be back next year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I want to just say as a default, like that's probably where this is going, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really want to speculate about the Lakers. Yeah. I think, I think they're in a pretty decent spot at the, since the trade deadline, it seems like the team has become a lot more likable with the pieces they've added. It helps when you don't have LeBron and like the negativity he brings in the in the social media stuff. But I think if he comes back with a couple games left, they won't be out of the picture at that point, probably. Mm-hmm. They've been mm-hmm. winning games here and there, but I saw one of the talk shows today. I don't even know who it was. It was I just saw it in passing, but they said it's going to be a real bummer for the Lakers when LeBron comes back and they should almost just shut him down because it's going to take so many touches away from Austin Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. Austin Reeves getting MVP chance at the Lakers arena the other night. Yeah, he deserves them. He should be the MVP. (laughs) I think we differ in our perspectives on Austin Reeves. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not really a fan, but that's again, another conversation probably for another podcast episode. So unless you have anything else, why don't we jump over to the East and, and run through where things are at there. You have the Bucks in first place. Seems like they're going to kind of just roll to, to the continued first place uh, by the end of the season at this point. Maybe something crazy happens. Maybe they decide to rest Giannis before the playoffs and they they fall to two or three. But either way, the top three teams are, are cemented, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's going to be an interesting battle between the Celtics and the Sixers, between the two and the three seed. Um, again, I, I'm I, all we can do is speculate at this point, so I'm not just going to keep saying that, but I, I assume if I had to guess, I would say the Bucks stay as one, but that battle for two and three, I mean, that could be pretty consequential 
depending on who you're going to face right now, right? I mean, let's just take the standings as they are. Number two seed, you're going to face the um, the Nets. Number three seed, you're going to face the Heat. I'd rather face the Nets in the playoffs first round um, as a first round team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Heat are the Heat are lower in the standings, but they have the pieces to make another run at the Eastern Conference Finals. It's almost a repeat of of I don't want to say it's a repeat of last year. Obviously they were a little bit higher in the standings, but it's like the same kind of vibes I feel like for me anyways. So Miami is not a team I want to face in the playoffs. If I'm one of the higher seeds. Yeah. Anyways. I think Miami has a good chance to get hot in the playoffs. They just, they just haven't been shooting the ball well and been able to have a good record this year. They've obviously been playing well of, of late, but they turn it up in the playoffs. They have all been there before a bunch of times. So, yeah. Hall of Fame probably, coach. True. I'd probably take the Nets right now if I had to pick one. But definitely, it just seems like the Bucks and the Celtics and the Sixers have put themselves like a, a level ahead of the next two teams probably. And then I'd say <laughs> the Cavs and the Knicks are probably tier two. And then the Heat and... Nets and Hawks are all pretty similar. They've been so all the, playing pretty well, but not great. The only caveat I think I would offer on that is going back to our last episode or our last couple episodes, you know, I'm really highlighting the the battle between the Cavs and the Knicks and where that's going to shake out. Cause I thought the Knicks had a pretty good chance to make a run at the four seed. And I think that that chance is all but evaporated at this point. The Knicks have lost three in a row. Granted mm-hmm. two of the three losses came on nights where the opposing teams just shot the lights out of the gym. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to win when a team plays that well. Um, one game was against Miami, which we were, we had tweeted about and I had made a pick for, um, but at the end of the day, I do think it's like you said, the top three teams are kind of on one tier. And then I think in terms of the standings right now, not necessarily in terms of caliber or or title odds, but I think the Cavs have really cemented themselves in that four seed. I don't think that's going to change one way or another. And then I think the Knicks will end up as the five seed, but they're only a game and a half ahead of the heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, if they end up tying, I think the Knicks own the season series right now, two to one. So I don't know if the, if the first, you know, level of tiebreaker is head to head matchups, but I am making the assumption that it is and the Knicks own that. So at least if there is a tie there, I think the Knicks end up as the five, but even going beyond that, the Nets are only two games behind the Knicks. So there's a, I would say not necessarily that it's super likely, but there is still a chance that the Knicks only make the play in, which would be a little bit of a heartbreaker for me. I mean, I'm not a super Knicks fan or anything, but a little bit of a heartbreaker because of how well they played this year to only end up in the play in tournament. Yeah, they have been playing well. It's just they were hot and it went 180 degrees and now they're cold (laughs) and losing games that they shouldn't lose. And the Knicks are just being the Knicks at the moment. A very, very streaky team right now. Yeah. It's kind of the way the roster is assembled. It's not like they have the talent of the top three teams to carry them to win more games than 
Like even if they're playing bad, the 76ers and Celtics and Bucks can still win games. But if the Knicks are right. playing bad and Randall's not having a good night, it's a lot harder for them to win those games. I will say at least though, because of the hot and cold nature of their season, the Knicks, I would say, tend to like, you know, they'll win five, six, seven, eight games in a row, then they'll lose four in a row. And this is not obviously how every single game has gone this year, but it's it's happened, I would say, a good number of times. So like I said, the Knicks are currently on a three-game losing streak. You have to think at some point they kind of like snap back like a rubber band and maybe win. Let's see, they are uh, 42 and 33 right now, 75 games. They've got seven left. I would say they probably win four of the last seven, at least maybe five. Yeah, Hopefully. That's fair. I mean, if, if they lose more than that, I think they're probably going to end up in the playing tournament, which is like I said, disappointing or would be disappointing anyways. Yeah. I'd probably say at this point, if they end up there, they would say it's disappointing, but it could a, go either way at this point. Hopefully they get some sort of steadiness before the playoffs come around. I do think that a, a four or five series between the Cavs and the Knicks would be a very entertaining playoff series. Um, I wanted to ask you, because right now the play-in is, let's say, between 7 and 12 probably here as well. I would say that maybe 8 to 12, actually, let's say that, because the top seven are probably going to stay the top seven here. But you have the Atlanta Hawks at number eight in the East, the Raptors at number nine, the Bulls at number 10, Pacers at number 11, Wizards at number 12 even the magic at number 13, but they're not going to make the play in tournament. I think at this point, they're four games out of it. The wizards are only two and a half games out of the play and the Pacers are only one and a half games out. I mean, we're talking about some pretty, pretty rough teams this season. I would say, do you think there's any chance that let's say the the Hawks and down. So the Hawks, Raptors, Bulls, Pacers, Wizards win a playoff series especially if they're going up against the Bucks, Celtics, or Sixers? No. <laughs> I'd say 0% chance any of those teams do. Maybe maybe 5% chance at the... Oh, wait, would you say Hawks down? Yeah, let's say Hawks down. No, and I would say 0. I was thinking you said Heat down. I was like, the Heat could sneak... could potentially sneak one out if they played their best basketball ever, but I think Hawks, Raptors, and Bulls are would be pretty toast if they ended up there. Oh yeah, I would agree with that for sure. So I like it's tough because in the Western Conference, I mean, those eight teams that we talked about, I could see. I don't know. I I don't have confidence that the Nuggets, the Grizzlies are going to definitely dominate the teams that they might be playing against in the first round. Yeah. Um, I think they, they probably win the series. I think the odds are that they would, but I don't have that same level of confidence as I do in the Eastern conference. So I almost like don't want to spend as much time on the potential play in teams um, because it's interesting. And I'm obviously going to watch the play in tournament. I'm obviously going to watch all these first round series, but maybe a better way to put it is I don't see any sweeps in the Western conference. I see at least two potential sweeps in the, in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. whoever comes out of the play-in tournament. Yeah, I think the 
the issue in the West with the top teams is the Nuggets started off so hot and their defense was so good. And the last 10 games, it's been like they've just lost to bad teams and they're mm-hmm. not winning games and their defense has looked just bad, not closing out on shooters and not being solid inside, what they've pretty much done all year. It's not only hurting their their momentum and everything, but it's also hurting their MVP and their MVP race. True. Potentially. The the um I have referenced the basketball reference of MVP tracker throughout the entire season. So I'm gonna stick with that. But they still have Nikola Jokic as the clear favorite, 62% chance to win. But I cannot tell you how many tweets I've seen, not just from NBA Twitter random accounts with 18 numbers in their handle, but from legitimate sources from interviews of other NBA players who are saying Joel Embiid deserves to be MVP this season, mm-hmm. and not, ju- not just players on the Sixers, obviously. So I think it's, it's very, very interesting that the chatter is kind of picking up that it's a race between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. And a lot of people are saying that Joel Embiid deserves to be MVP. Yeah. I think if it goes the way it's been going the last three weeks and the Nuggets still are cold and the Sixers keep winning games. I think it'll probably be 50-50 coming into the voting and then it'll probably come down to how many votes like Giannis gets and whoever comes in fourth gets and then I don't know it'll it'll be close. Just want to pause the conversation really quickly to note that your boys from Bama lost. Score just <laughs> finalized uh San Diego State 71 Bama 64. I have I have no no ties to this team. <laughs> Just gonna call them your boys. Just speaking into existence. Uh, no, San Diego State Aztecs onto the Elite Eight. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, good for them. But it's also like I'm not I'm not super excited to watch San Diego State play against the other team as much as it would have been a good matchup with Bama, even though they just beat them. True. Well, yeah. Uh, San Diego State in the Elite Eight is going to face the winner of Creighton and Princeton, right? Princeton's path to the Final Four just opened up, <laughs> and so did K-State's path to the finals, and so did UConn's path to a championship. I know, I know. Oh, wow, that is something. And Houston's on the ropes, too. They're looking pretty rough. Yeah, down 14 with eight minutes left. That's something else. What in the world? Uh. I'll tell you this right now. This is Princeton's bracket to lose. Exactly. Hey, we got <laughs> we got Princeton to make the final four at like 30 to one yesterday. So hey, I visited the Princeton campus once when I was interviewing for a job at a law firm in Princeton. So wow. I uh I'm just saying. Oh geez. Go Tigers. So you're pretty much a, a former student and you know where all the bodies are buried there. I do know where the literal and figurative bodies are buried. I don't think I have much else to say about the Eastern Conference standings per se. Um, To me, there's not a lot to say at this point. It's still going to be interesting to monitor, especially, you know, do the Knicks make the play in or do they make the official playoffs by the end of the regular season? Where do the Heat end up? Where do the Nets end up? Uh, You know, questions I'm going to be monitoring, but not not nearly as interesting for me as as the Western Conference is over the next seven to ten games. So um, I don't have much else to say about the Eastern Conference at this point. I am excited to see where it ends up, but 
not as excited about the Western as I am about the Western Conference. So anything else you want to say about the Eastern Conference before I jump to my next topic here? Not really. I mean, I think it'll just come down to a race between the top three teams, and Mm -hmm. that would mean, well, if they stay how they are now, it would mean the Celtics and the Sixers would play each other in the conference semifinals and the the Bucks would play the Knicks or Cavs, whoever wins that or whatever. But it seems like the path would be there for the Bucks to go to the finals and then the Celtics and Sixers would battle it out against each other. Right. Um, I do want to note, I do want to note really quickly before jumping to the next topic that there's obviously a lot of teams make the playoffs in the NBA, but I do just want to note for the listeners, both of our picks to win the NBA championship, uh, both of our preseason picks to win the NBA championship are still alive. You picked, uh, J- you picked no, well, Jason Tatum, but you picked the Celtics. I picked the Clippers. Celtics probably have a slightly better chance than the Clippers do. It's, it's a, a little sarcasm there. Um <laughs> But they're both still alive. I think everything else is probably not. Uh, MVP pick, you had Jason Tatum, I had Luca. I don't think either of them have any real chance to win the, win the award at this point. So with that said, let's go into basically what I'm just going to call final comments here. We have only a few minutes left on the recording. So let's just throw out any other comments, thoughts, anything else you have on the NBA. And I just want to start really quickly by talking about how absolutely ridiculous it has become that players and coaches are getting fined so much. We're talking about how bad the refs are. Mm -hmm. Um, Luca was just recently fined $35,000 for making this like money gesture at the refs. (laughs) I mean, He's he's literally actually implying that the uh who were they playing at the during that game? Oh, it was just the other night. I think it was the Warriors game that they just lost. He did this little like you can't see it, uh, if you're only listening to the podcast and we don't have YouTube, so that is the only way to listen to the podcast. But unless you're like unless you're watching our stream somehow. If you are uh let's say uh, familiar with like Johnny Manziel, what he used to do after he scored in college, the money, right? Mm-hmm. Luca basically did that to imply that um, the Warriors had paid off the refs. And I think there were some like foul disparities, but like, I I think the refs are pretty bad. I think the refs have too much power, but I don't know that any teams are actually paying them off, but I get it. Moment of frustration. Did it deserve a $35,000 fine? No, don't think so. I think that's crazy. Uh, Monty Williams, coach of the Suns, got fined $20,000 for his comments about the refs. And I think this is even less deserving of a fine because, look, if I'm Monty Williams, I'm also frustrated that other teams are getting so many more free throw attempts during the game. I understand that your perspective on this is going to change depending on what teams you're a fan of, what players you're a fan of, or what teams or players you really legitimately don't like. But at some point you can't consistently have a team that's getting like 20 to 30 less free throw attempts per game than the other team is. And look, is anything really going to change that? No, not at this point in the season anyways, but does Monty Williams deserve to be fined $20,000, which I understand is a drop in the bucket for him, but does he deserve to be fined $20,000 for making a comment that has a legitimate basis? I don't think so. I would say not if I was, Matt Ishbia, I would just pick up the fine and tell him to 
to keep going at them and keep them oh, yeah. keep them on their toes. Unfortunately for NBA teams versus college teams, like I know we both fell victim to this in the Big Ten tournament, but Zach Eady and Purdue basically getting calls from the Big Ten refs, right? Um, and and that led to a pretty big disparity. Very, very hard to beat Purdue in the Big Ten tournament with these refs favoring Purdue so much. But then you get to the NCAA tournament, you don't have Big Ten refs, and wow, look at things actually changed for Purdue, pretty historically anyways. Mm-hmm. You don't have that same, I would, I'm not going to call it a luxury, but you don't have that same option in the NBA because no matter what, you're drafting your refs from the same pool of, of refs. And supposedly when you get to the playoffs, they're only going to give the games to the more experienced refs or the ones with the more demonstra- demonstrable uh, experience or, or um, you know accuracy maybe with calls. But at the end of the day, I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that the players and the coaches and, and, fans for that matter are getting frustrated with the way the refs are really in, in many instances, controlling the outcomes of games. Yeah. I thought it was funny when the NBA, everyone on NBA Twitter, I guess was saying, Oh, we looked at the schedules and Ben Taylor who had the disagreement with um, Fred Van Vliet isn't on the refing schedules coming up oh, the NBA must have been looking at this, whatever. And the NBA officials quote tweeted it and said, Ben Taylor is actually only a part-time crew chief, so he doesn't do this. So it doesn't even matter. It's not like we switched them around because they're all decided before the season anyway. Oh, okay. Like they're just just openly replying to random NBA Twitter people's posts. Yeah. Not even caring. I've seen that a few times, I feel like, over the course of the season. And it's like, what intern is controlling the NBA referee's <laughs> account right now? Because they're obviously getting a little bit upset about this, but that's all right. Um, so that's the end of today's diatribe about the referees. I think it's I think it's disappointing. I think it's disappointing to find the players and the coaches. Like if it's something truly absurd, whatever, do what you gotta do. But like these people have legitimate claims. Mm-hmm. that the referees are are being a little bit absurd. So I think you got to just let it go. Yeah, um, for sure. I do want to shout out our Charlotte Hornets. Um, probably the most injury-tested team in the NBA at the moment. There was a funny picture circulating. The Hornets just got pounded by the Pelicans last night or, or two nights ago. Um, and there was a picture at one point of their bench, which was basically empty because – Kelly Oubre injured during the game. Terry Rozier injured during the game. They already had four, like four players out during the game and they have an open roster spot and an open two-way spot on the roster right now. So there was a picture at one point of, of the bench, which was just basically empty, which was funny. Um, And so the uh, Hornets going through it right now to say the least, but I do want to shout them out because they did sign Nick Richards to a three-year $15 million contract extension, which after a long, 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 long period of time of not knowing what the center rotation is going to look like in Charlotte. I think where we've landed is Mark Williams, starting center, Nick Richards, backup center for the foreseeable future, which is exciting to, to say the least for me. Yeah. Seems like the front office is moving in the right direction of finally locking in pieces and getting the young guys around. And hopefully it's 
a good start to something, not just continually losing everything. And if uh, Michael Jordan continues with the sale of his stake in the Hornets, then that'll be something to monitor as well. If you get a new, a new owner, you know, in like Matt Ishbia willing to come in and make some moves and shake things up. Could be some change on the horizon. I'm not going to, you know, get my hopes up too high just yet, but definitely could be some change on the horizon. Uh, that's pretty much it. I thought I had another comment. I don't really, um, some players really just kind of like playing the lights out right now, getting ready for the playoffs. Um, Devin Booker playing really well. And I think that's only going to go up once KD comes back next week. So let's just, you know, keep it up, keep an eye on, you know, the season as it comes down to the close, um, especially in the Western conference as the teams kind of, of shape things up. And in terms of the college games, you know, by the time this episode comes out, we'll have the final four solidified because the elite eight games are also going to be played this weekend. So we'll be able to talk about that next week and, and where we think the, the final four in the national championship are going to end up. And with that, I think we've drawn to a close with episode 21 of the Queen City Control Room podcast. So thanks you all for tuning in. You can find us on our socials, i.e. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Queen City CTRLRM. You can also email us here at the show if there's anything you want to hear us talk about at queencitycontrolroom at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, head over to Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to us talk every week about the NBA and, and now college basketball, of course. Um, head over to Apple, Pod- Apple Podcasts or Spotify, like, follow, subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know how we're doing. If there's things you'd like to see change, any specific topics you want to hear us talk about, let us know. Um, any suggestions going forward? We are coming down to the end of the regular season, heading into the playoffs, but we're still wanting to make this the best product that we can. So let us know what you think. Reach out to us on social media, anywhere you want to do it. But otherwise, we will talk to you guys next week and look forward to episode 22.